Let's read Mark 11. Um, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And for our sermon text, we have Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations which he has brought on earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, everybody. Good to be with you again this morning. Uh, Thanks for joining us. If you are watching this live, the web address is boylston.online.church. And if you go to that address, if you're not there, if you're somewhere else, you can actually uh, chat with everybody. There's even a tab above where you can look at the scripture while I'm preaching. Um, there's also, if, if you're on a computer, you'll notice some links at the top of the screen. Don't click those right now, but if you want to check those out later, there's a place for a connection card. There's actually a link to the Mercy Fund up there that says COVID-19 Help. We would certainly encourage you to click that. That goes to a joint benevolence fund for Boylston and Christ the King together. We're pooling our resources to prepare for the needs that are coming. Uh, So please take some time uh, after the service to click those links and and, and check them out. Um, If you'll join with me, uh, let's pray real quick before we start. Father, we thank you for this, this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be with you, even though we aren't physically present with one another. We're we're grateful that in Christ, 
uh, we are connected. Lord, that your spirit is with each and every one of us. And Lord, we are all one body. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us this morning as we look at your word. I pray that it would come alive. I pray that uh, we would experience your presence and we would experience the joy of fellowship even as we're gathered here online. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today is Palm Sunday. It is the first day of Holy Week. And this is the day that traditionally the church remembers the triumphal entry. So that passage that we just read in the Gospel of Mark. It is the story where that uh, recounts Jesus riding triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem. And as he does, the people are cheering. They're shouting his praises. They're shouting, save us. But of course, we know as the story progresses, in just a few days, the crowds in Jerusalem would be shouting something very different. They'd be shouting, crucify him. So today, this Sunday, we have a chance to reflect on the kingship of Jesus, his lordship in our lives, but also we get a chance to reflect on the fickle nature of our own hearts. The sovereignty of God, the rule and the reign of our God is something I think we really need to fix our hearts and our minds on this week. Especially as we're watching uh, these things happening in the news, as we're seeing this COVID-19 crisis continue, and each day things seem even more alarming, this is a great time for us to be brought back to that very simple truth that Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Jesus is still on the throne. And our main passage this morning, Psalm 46, is a great encouragement to me. Uh, in these past few weeks, it is, has reminded me of some essential truths, and I hope that as we study it together, you're going to find some encouragement there as well. Uh, this passage, it tells us about the need for refuge, the path to refuge, and the person of refuge. The need for refuge, the path to refuge, and the person of refuge. So today as we study this, um, let's first talk about the need for refuge. The opening lines of the psalm, they paint this picture of a world that is totally in chaos. The earth is giving way. The mountains are collapsing into the sea. The ocean is raging. Kingdoms are falling. Everything's out of control. And it's not so far from the reality that we're experiencing. This reality where all of these things that have been steady in our lives, all of these things that we used to just take for granted, are now uncertain. They're now unreliable. The opening lines of this psalm remind us that whenever we come to moments like this, whenever we get to these places of uncertainty and anxiety, we instinctively run for cover. We instinctively seek out refuge, relief, a place where we can go to escape the danger, 
to find some semblance of peace when everything else seems like it's falling apart. And it's interesting because usually when I preach, uh, especially on a passage like this, I've got to do some guesswork to, to imagine where people uh, are, what's going on in their life, what their circumstance might be. But right now, we are in this unique moment in history where not just our congregation, but the whole world, everybody around the globe is facing the same challenge. We are all dealing with the same threat. And it has reoriented our lives. It has changed our day-to-day -day in some very costly ways. There are the big picture ways it's cost us, right? It's cost some of us our jobs. It's destroying our businesses. It's rocking our economy. For some of us, it's costing us our health. It's even threatening our lives. And then on top of that, there's the emotional cost. This whole situation has brought with it a great deal of anxiety. It's brought a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty about our future. It has brought a sense of threat to just doing simple things, walking outside, going to the grocery store. And it's also brought some frustration. It's brought some confusion as we're trying to cope with the way it has disrupted our plans, the way it has interrupted our daily life. I don't know if it's the case for you, but for me, there's, there's also some feelings of guilt there. That when I am upset over these small inconveniences and I recognize that other people, they're dealing with big problems, they're dealing with very serious things, and yet here I am complaining about these little things, I feel a little guilty. But it's true, you know, my daughter, her birthday is coming up. And we were planning to go visit her grandparents for her birthday. And I'm sad we can't do that. And I also feel a little selfish about being so sad that we can't do that. There's so much going on, on so many different levels. And in a time like this, we all need refuge. We all need a place to go for relief. And you know what? That is exactly what the world is doing right now. The whole world is doing it. I read this week that in the third week of March, alcohol sales went up by 55%. Some of us, when we run to, for refuge, we're running to things that really aren't going to help us very much. I read that Netflix and YouTube and Disney Plus and some parts of the world, they've had to decrease the quality of their streaming because the demand has become so high from people constantly watching their services. Same thing with video games. Uh, some video games are taking hours to download because the demand spiked so rapidly. In an effort to escape, in an effort to find shelter from the chaos, we run to entertainment. We run to our vices. We run to things that we hope will distract us from the pain we feel. We run to these things that aren't going to help. Sometimes we run to things that might help, right? We, we place our hope in the government. 
in modern medicine. We place our hope in the promise of faster testing and the development of a good vaccine. And you know, running to these kinds of things is nothing new. Uh, Augustine, who was one of the fathers of the church, he lived during the fall of Rome, one of the most unbelievable events in history. The, the center of the world completely collapsed and he lived and he pastored through that moment. And as he was thinking about this passage, here's what he said. Here's what he said about our tendency to seek lesser places of refuge. He said, there are some refuges wherein there is no strength, where when any flee, they end up more weakened than strengthened. You flee, for example, to someone who is great in the world, that you might have a powerful friend, and it seems to you like a great refuge. Yet, so great are this world's uncertainties, and so frequent grow the ruins of powerful people day by day, that when you go to that person for refuge, you begin to fear even more than you did before. What he's saying there is a timeless truth. That we, when we run to things, when we run to people, when we run to the things of this world for security and for safety, they never deliver. They always come up short. And very often, the things we hoped were going to make us feel better, the things we hoped were going to make us free actually end up making us feel far more anxious than we did in the first place. Now look, it's not wrong for us to hope that this stimulus package is going to come through. That unemployment's finally going to come through. That we'll, we'll get the money that we need. It's not wrong. In fact, I would say absolutely as Christians, we should be praying that they develop a vaccine quickly. That testing becomes available. We should want those things to happen. But what I'm saying here is that those things cannot be your hope. They cannot be your refuge. They cannot be the place you run because they are inadequate for the task. They are not guaranteed. And in the end, they will fail you. Right now, the instinct to run for refuge has been awakened in every single one of us. But I want you to know this morning what this psalm says. It says, only the living God is able to offer us the cover that we need. Yes. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Only God is the one who remains in the midst of chaos, whose character is that he is infinite, eternal, and unchanging. Who even when the earth gives way, even when everything we have ever relied upon disappears, he won't. Because he cannot. 
That's the first thing I want us to know. We need refuge. But the only place it can be found is in God. God is our refuge. So let's talk about the path to refuge. We all need refuge. We need refuge in God. But the way that we achieve that, the way that we find that rest, is actually the complete opposite of our instincts. It's completely contrary to the way that we try to find it. The most famous verse in this passage is, is certainly verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. But do you ever think about the context of that verse? Read the two verses before it. It says, Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations that he's brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then he says, be still. This is a word of instruction that's actually spoken in rebuke. He says, be still and know that I'm God. So there's two quick things I want to point out about that verse. The first one, especially for Palm Sunday, as we're thinking about Jesus Christ, our King, God the Son, who is the true King, the only one who can save us. As we're thinking about Him today, it's worth noting that, that He doesn't simply say, God doesn't just say, be still, but He actually ends the war. He conquers His enemies, and then He commands them, to be still. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, and then he says, be still. The Westminster Shorter Catechism is a tool that was created a long time ago, back in the 1600s, to help people learn the basics of Christianity, to help them learn about their faith. It's a series of questions and answers that teach us uh, all sorts of things, but there's a section that, that talks about who Jesus is. And how Jesus is our king. Question 26, it says, how is Jesus a king? How does Christ carry out the office of a king? And here's the answer. Christ carries out the office of a king in subduing us to himself. In ruling and defending us. And in restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies. I bring that up because I think we often forget that our God is a warrior. He is a God who subdues, who conquers. He is a God who saves his people and nothing in this world can stop him from that mission. The first thing I want you to notice about this verse, be still, is that the path to refuge in him does not begin with your action. It begins with His. God, He says, be still and know that I am God. And it's almost like He's, he's breaking up bickering children. 
Maybe that illustration hits a little too close to home this week for some of you parents uh, who've been homeschooling. But you know what that is, right? Just that moment where you just say, enough already! Be still! In those words, God, he's calling us to our senses. He's waking us up to realize that peace is only available in him. But the truth is, apart from God acting, apart from God showing up, we would never instinctively think that peace comes through God. In fact, our instinct, because we're in a fallen world, because we are sinners, our instinct is to run from God. Our instinct is to believe that God is the opposite of peace. I was reminded of that this last couple of weeks uh, when, I'm sure you guys saw this, a bunch of celebrities put together this video of them all singing John Lennon's song, Imagine. And it was, a lot of people saw that. Um, I'll just go ahead and say, I, man, I can't stand that song. I do not like that song at all. Uh, and not because it's not a, a pleasant melody, right? It's not hard to listen to. But I, I just can't stand that song because it presents this picture. It casts this vision that what the world really needs is to get rid of God. That the path to, to peace is a world where there's no heaven. A world where there's no religion. And then it, it puts that on the same level as political division and greed and war and it says these are all the problems we need to get rid of. But it shouldn't surprise us that that's uh, the attitude of the world, right? In fact, uh, this is how we all operate. We are always looking to everything other than God to be our refuge. We will never rest in Him unless he first comes as king and conquers our hearts. That's why I really love the way Charles Spurgeon put it. We read that little reflection at the beginning of this service, but I'll read it to you again. I just love this picture he gives of how Jesus conquers our hearts. He says that Christians, we are his, we are Christ's by conquest. What a battle he had in us before we would be won. How long he had to lay siege to our hearts. How often he sent us the terms of surrender. But we barred our gates and we built our walls against him. But do we not remember that glorious hour when he carried our hearts by storm? When he placed his cross against the wall and scaled our ramparts, planting on our strongholds the blood red flag of his omnipotent mercy. Yes, we are the conquered captives of his omnipotent love. So that's the first part of this verse. The path to peace, the path to refuge in God begins first when God shows up. And when he reveals to us that what we really need is him. That how all the other things that we run to for refuge have failed us. That they leave us more insecure than we were in the beginning. And who knows? 
I don't know who's watching this. Maybe that's, that moment is happening right now for you. Maybe this is the moment where you're starting to realize that all the places you've run for refuge have failed. If that's you, I want to encourage you, surrender to him right now. Allow him to conquer your heart. That's the first thing. But the second thing I want to point out about this verse, be still, is perhaps the more obvious one. The path to peace, the path to refuge, comes through stillness. Over the past couple of weeks, we've had these prayer meetings every morning and every evening online. And so I've gotten a lot of chance to pray with different men and women around this city. And every time we've prayed, we start with this passage. And we take two minutes and we just sit silently. We acknowledge the presence of God and we are still. And every time, it amazes me how hard it is. How hard it is for us to be still. To stop when everything around us is buzzing and flashing and there's so much going on. It is really hard to be still. And even now, it's kind of crazy, right? Even now when we have literally been shut inside of our houses, when our schedules have been rearranged, rather than allowing ourselves to slow down and sit in the presence of God, it seems like we've just managed to make ourselves even busier. Right? Have you felt that? Now it seems like the workday goes from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed. That we've filled our life full of phone calls and, and meetings. But God, he gives us a really clear instruction. If you want refuge, be still. Be still. And know that he is God. Know that you belong to him. Know that he cares for you. Sit in silence and remember that he has chosen you from before the foundation of the world. And that means that while we might be shocked, while we might be frightened, while we might be scared about everything that's happening around us, none of this is a surprise to him. None of this is beyond his control. You know, I, honestly, I'd, I'd like to challenge you to take this literally today. Maybe after we finish this service even, or sometime this evening. Set your timer on your phone or on your watch and just sit still for five minutes. Be still and remind yourself that God is with you. That Jesus is on the throne. That he is in control. And just, just be silent. Right? You know that song we always sing. Be still. God will fight your battles. Do that. That's what I'm saying. The path to refuge, it does not run through a packed schedule. It doesn't run through this new full life that we're living that's full of self-reliance. The path of refuge is through stillness.
through silence before the Lord who has conquered our hearts. And that brings us to the third point I want to make, which is the person of refuge. I think one of the most amazing things about this psalm, as we remember it on Palm Sunday, this is a psalm that is all about this powerful, this mighty Lord of all creation, the kind of powerful and mighty God who can make wars cease to the ends of the earth. The kind of God who can still roaring waters. And the gospel message is that this almighty God came to earth. This King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, took on flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Amen. In fact, there's a moment in Mark, just a few pages before the story of the triumphal entry, where this psalm plays out in real time. Do you remember the story? It's the story in Mark 4 where Jesus and his disciples are in a boat. And it says that all of a sudden a furious squall came upon the boat. Waves broke so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Has anybody said that this week? He got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Mark tells us there that when the disciples saw this power on display, when they heard the Lord who could speak to the waves, be still, and then they did, it says they were terrified. And that's appropriate. That's a, an appropriate response, because in that moment, they were just beginning to see that this Jesus was not merely a man, but he was powerful. He was all-powerful. He was mighty. He was, in fact, the Almighty God. But in that same moment, they know that He is with them, and He's for them. He's protecting them. He's delivering them. And there's this glorious thing in our psalm today. I'm not sure if you picked up on it. I didn't pick up on it. I, I studied it a lot this week before I even saw this. But there is a refrain that repeats a couple of times in this verse. Verse 7 and verse 11, it says, The Lord Almighty is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So on one hand, the psalmist points out that God is almighty. That he's powerful. That he's righteous. That he is holy. But then in the second half, he also reminds us he's the God of Jacob. And that second name, that name is all about his mercy. It's a reminder that our God is also a God who has chosen to reveal himself to men and women. Who has chosen to promise himself as a savior. He's a God who made a covenant of grace with Abraham that passed to his son Isaac, that passed to his son Jacob and his descendants. Do you remember that? Way back in Genesis. Way back then, the Almighty God came to this unsuspecting man and in tenderness and in love, he said, I will be your God and I will bless you and I will bless the world through you. He's the God of Jacob. He's a personal God. He's a loving God who has made promises to bless the whole world. And that promise is fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. The Lord Almighty. The great King and yet, when he came, he didn't come in judgment. He didn't come to slay his enemies. Christ's coming in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday all those years ago, it could have been the moment of God's wrath. That could have been the moment when he came into town and he conquered his enemies. It could have been the time when he uttered his voice. And the earth melted. But instead, he came in a way that no one expected. He conquered our hearts through his own defeat. He won the war by losing. On the cross, Jesus defeated the greatest enemy, death. By standing as our substitute and paying the penalty for our sins. And that, let me just say, because of that, because of that reality, because of the cross, because Christ has stood as our substitute, that means that this psalm is more than empty words. This psalm is more than good advice. This psalm is more than just saying, hey, you know, don't let the coronavirus thing get you down. Things are going to be okay. No, this psalm is a declaration of reality. Yes. This psalm, it's calling us back to sanity. Because of Christ, God is our refuge and our strength. Everyone who repents and turns to him is saved. His love for us is the tower 
where we can run and nothing, not even death, can separate us from it. So this week, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to run for refuge. It's what we do. It's normal. But this psalm is here to tell you that where you will find the rest your soul desires is not through distraction. It's not through a paycheck or a miracle cure. But it's in a person. The person of Christ. So I want to invite you this morning to come to him. I want to invite you to come and repent of your running. Repent of all those false places you have been going for refuge already. And instead, let him conquer your heart again today. Surrender to your king. Be still in his presence and find peace. Amen.